we are so excited to welcome to the Run Farther and Faster podcast, Allie Kiefer. We first learned about Allie, like so many others, after she placed fifth in the 2017 New York City Marathon with her outstanding performance. While Allie is indeed an outstanding runner, she is also an outstanding role model for women and girls of all distances and levels. As a result, we wanted to talk with her about her role and about what her coaching looks like right now as she's coaching herself and navigating, just like so many of us, running during this pandemic. Before we begin our conversation with Allie, we just wanna let you know that we provide private virtual coaching for runners of all levels, ages, and distances, and we currently have some openings on our roster. We would love to work with you. To find out more about our personalized coaching and what we can do for you to navigate your running during this uncertain time, please send us an email at julianlisa at runfartherandfaster.com or you can send us a DM on Instagram or a message on Facebook. We will respond to you as soon as possible. Thanks so much for listening. And if you are inclined, please leave a review on iTunes. Thanks to all of you who have already left one. We so appreciate it. We really wanted to interview you because we have a lot of runners who we coach who, and ourselves as well, who have been over the years very inspired by you. Not only because of how you achieved um, what you've achieved so far through hard work and the way you've gone about it is untraditional and that's why we want to talk to you about it, but also the way you've overcome injuries and all of our runners because anyone who runs sustains injuries have had injuries. And we just feel the way that you've been so transparent about it. And you've really helped so many of our runners learn to deal with their injuries emotionally and physically. So we really are so thrilled to talk to you. We know you'll benefit a lot of the people we coach. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That's really sweet of you. I wish I didn't have so many injuries to talk about, but I agree. We all like, get injured especially the more that we push it and Mm -hmm. kind of take a risk you know you're risking not being able to run and I've like kind of been on the line of like I'm willing to risk it to see how far I can get um going into the trials the Olympic trials most recently I kind of held back because I thought that was the one time like I'm not really like willing to risk it I'd rather get to the line than uh, be hurt and be on the sidelines but uh yeah, it's all a gamble, you know, you just like go for it in different ways. And um, some people I think maybe have tuned into like how much exactly they could, they can do or um, haven't taken as many big gaps as I have in running like just throughout my life. So they've been able to add a little bit each year. And uh, I haven't, I feel like I have like a little bit to catch up on because I took those like big gaps. But um, yeah, thank you. That was really sweet. It's true. Let's talk about those gaps. Let's back up and sort of talk about where you started and your early years, like how you came to running and kind of your first, your first phase of running. When did you start running? What did that look like? You know, what, what was your experience like, you know, in terms of running and being coached and your um, relationship with the sport? Yeah. So I started running in middle school. Um, My sister was on the high school team. And I kind of just wanted to be just like her. So I followed her into the sport. And actually in middle school, I was able to join the high school team. So like their practice, 
which I think my sister loved because she got to get out of the beginning of practice and come pick me up <laughs> from middle school. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that's how it all started. I think that I was like pretty good off the bat, but I also just like really cared. Like, um, I think kind of any middle schooler would try really hard trying to impress high schoolers. And I'm like the, you know, lame little girl and nobody wants to be my friend. And so I had to like try really hard. I thought then I'd, I'd make friends. <laughs> Didn't work. But I remember having several workouts where we would be indoors and I'm from New York, so it'd be cold and we'd have to run inside the school. And so we do, our school is kind of in like a square shape but there's two floors. So you'd run up the stairs, across the hallway, down the stairs, across the hallway, up the stairs, across the hallway, down the stairs, across the hallway, and then pass over like either slap a hand or a baton or whatever it was to your relay teammate. And um, I didn't want to be like the slow middle schooler. So I was trying to be cool. So I would always push myself so hard in those workouts and without say I'd, like throw up every time. Um, many, many times throwing up into the snow on the way out of practice. But I just loved it. And uh, that's where I got started. So I kind of really like hadn't found my niche in school yet. And so I had like, you know, friends my age, um, but I just didn't find that thing that I was good at. And um, it kind of became running. I just realized the more I put into it, the better I got. And it, I mean, <laughs> I for a while thought that's just how it went. Oh, I'll just try hard, I'll get faster. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then I kind of got, I feel like I've gotten a lot back from the sport of like, I did eventually like get good enough to go to college. And then I went to Wake Forest, which I think is a really good school, but I honestly wouldn't have gotten accepted off of my grades just because I didn't apply myself really in school, but going to Wake Forest and then I was able to like excel and learn that I did belong there. Um, so I just kind of like snowballed effect. What did you learn um, between your years as a, when you started out in middle school and then all the way through college, you had a series of coaches. I'm sure some were great, some weren't as great. What did you learn specifically and what can you share with kids who are running right now and their parents to make the most of those academic years of running? I guess like I did have a lot of different coaches. I had a, a several high school coaches because we had a different coach for each season in the high school that I went to. And I'm not sure if that's typical or not, but it just it wasn't one of those like great programs where, you know, we have a rich tradition of running. Um, and so there was just a different coach every season. And yeah, some were better than others. Um, then my mom hired a outside coach to help me out because she saw I had potential and, you know, we were changing coaches every season. So even if one or two of the coaches were good, it, there just wasn't consistency. Um, and he, the private coach was recommended by one of the high school coaches. Um, and that, that man, Steve Joseph and I got along really well. He was very tough. He was um, like a strength oriented coach where it was short, recovery between reps like we didn't do a ton of speed um but I was a miler in high school so you know it's everything was kind of fast compared to now I'm like mile pace oh no <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
Um, and then I went to college and I didn't really think of like the strength that I had as a runner and how that would work with the coach I was planning to spend four years with. I just thought, oh, it's a great school. The campus is pretty. The people are nice. You know, like I'm going to, it's far away from home. I don't know. That's how I go to school for all the wrong reasons. Warm up. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and not that that coach was bad, but it just didn't suit my style of training. And so I don't really think I ever excelled at Wake Forest, um, which is why I ended up taking a fifth year to Arizona State because that coach then like fit just my style. And I, I was honestly a 16 when I signed my letter of intent to go to Wake Forest. So I was just really young. Mm-hmm. I was immature for a 16 year old. Um, and I, I didn't really know what to look for other than like, I thought it, I mean, I was going to a program that they had done well. The coach seemed nice. The girls were nice. It, just, it seemed to add up, but I think if I was giving someone advice now, there are schools that, um, you know, there are a lot of different places to choose from. And so there are great schools and great coaches that maybe fit how you run better. So learning how they train will help you know if you fit into that program or not, because you can't expect a coach to change the whole entire way that they coach based on me being a like strength oriented person. My coach was a speed oriented runner and that's how she coached us. And people excelled with that just because I didn't doesn't mean it's wrong. It just might not be the best place for me if running is the most important thing. If it's not, you know, it didn't necessarily work out poorly because I got a great education and I moved on to Arizona State. So um, it's just the way they'll always do pros and cons and figure out what's most important to you and kind of work start from there. That's great advice for kids who are looking at programs in terms of not just looking at the school, but also looking at the coaching style and the focus mm-hmm. of the program. What advice would you have for especially girls who are running in high school right now and their parents with respect to how coaches might train girls a little differently, uh, particularly with nutrition and body image? What advice do you have? Well, I think like if you feel like you're missing something from your training or you want to do more, you should have a discussion with your coach about it. Um, it's hard to like give a broad answer to that mm-hmm. because I don't know what aspects someone might be missing, but any, any time that you're in, you have to put all of the pieces together of the program. And um, I think even of myself, when I was in high school, like I kind of think I thought I knew what I needed. And even the coaches I may not have thought were the best coaches probably saw something that I didn't see. Even now I, I coach myself, but I have people I talk to be like, Hey, do you see something I'm missing? Because it's hard to coach yourself. And it's um, sometimes we like one thing and we sort of just move that direction and we forget that it's like, we need to be well-rounded. With regard to nutrition and body image, I hopefully those coaches are saying things that lift people up. I mean, it's hard to, I don't, I personally don't think that a coach needs to say much other than how to help someone be healthier if they're not being healthy or make them feel more comfortable in their body Um, or how, what to eat afterwards to like rebuild their muscles or to help them recover so that they can do another workout. Um, If you really need nutritional advice, that's probably just beyond the scope of a high school 
coach in most cases even doctors aren't really trained in nutrition so mm -hmm. i don't think we should assume that the coaches would know exactly what to eat um but i think some advice just general advice of like eating after you run to help you recover so you can do another workout like that that's helpful that's what i say to people now too and myself is like the sooner that I eat, I will stop breaking down my muscles and then I can put another good workout mm -hmm. together again. Well, I think in and of itself, that's good advice, though, in that parents and kids who are looking to become more well-rounded in terms of running and health shouldn't look to the coach, but they should, just like you outsourced a coach to better your running, there also are experts that teens could outsource as well to better their nutrition as a coach generally wouldn't be able to provide that service. Yeah, I mean... I would have guessed so. I, I think that's asking a lot of someone. Um, I think most of us that are healthy can make some like healthy recommendations, but even the kids aren't in high school. Like I didn't, I wasn't in charge really of my own nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even know if that was fair to my mom because I don't know if my mom knew what I needed, mm -hmm. you know, and she's working a full-time job. She's not a nutritionist. Mm -hmm. an accountant. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was eating a lot of pasta. <laughs> um, so it's tough. It's mm -hmm. tough thing. Um, I think the biggest part of that, of well, at least what I feel like I needed, so I can really, really talk to my mm -hmm. own experience, is that I just wish people had, um, like, made me feel more confident in my body, than rather than less. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just don't have to say anything. You know, um, at Wake Forest, we're actually spoken to a lot about our physique or how to be leaner. And she wasn't the like, coach wasn't really trying to get us to starve ourselves or to be unhealthy in any way. Um, but there was a big emphasis on being kind of like just lean. And at Arizona State, we were never talked about nutrition. Food was never brought up really. Um, and everyone was pretty healthy. It was just like, it was not a big deal. When I feel like people over like thought about it too much at Wake Forest just because it was kind of always in our minds of like, mm -hmm. We had constantly been stressed about eating healthy, and and I I think if you just maybe brought in a nutritionist and the team learned what healthy things to do, and unless you see someone with a problem, you just continue moving on. Right. So it seems like you know equating a lot of people equate um, their body, their physique with performance, and if that's where you're, that's the message you're hearing, then that's maybe what you know how you're internalizing it. But if you're just seeing that performance is based on how hard you work or your training or other aspects, then it doesn't become an issue. So that's a that's a, that's a great point. Right. Do you have Do you have any particular memories from your high school or collegiate, kind of your pre-adult running that stick out in your head that you feel formed your your running identity or anything that you can think of? I mean, it doesn't have to be related to a coach, but any experiences that you feel like stick out in your head from that, that time? Yeah, like, because I remember, um, I don't know how all the states work, but in New York, you have like four or five individual qualifiers for the state meet in cross mm -hmm. country and then a team. Yeah. and. Um, I was an individual qualifier and I don't, I wasn't one of the best. So I was, or maybe towards the back, like the, the last or the second to last qualifier. Um, but you know, I was an individual. And so there is like the, the third, fourth, fifth place on the team was actually slower than me, but their team is better. Um, and their coach was like our, our coach that walked us through the meet and, uh, like the state meet and so we did the warm-up together and 
and most of the girls had their individual coach like that came up anyway, but my coach didn't go to States. And so I was just listening to this other coach and he was like, you know, looking at me, if you start out slower, I'm not saying you finish slower, but you start out slower, you should really get to the back of like the, the start shoot. So I was like, excuse you, I know you're talking to me because I start slow. <laughs> but I earned the spot on the front line. <laughs> I remember thinking that. And um, and then uh, my college coach like always had me jump rope to just like get a quicker little stride going because I was kind of slow off the gun. <laughs> but um, but you came I on faster. Like, yeah, yeah, it suits me now as a marathoner that I really never have to pick it up too much more. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone would describe you at all ever as slow, but that's funny that that was a characteristic that people would have ever associated with you. Do you feel like that's benefited you as a marathoner, that you don't necessarily start out as quick as possible? Do you think that's helped to strengthen your marathon abilities? Yeah, my college coach used to call me a little metronome, and I'm just quite good at holding a pace and kind of knowing like what I'm capable of. Um, I feel like I've gotten away from that a little bit recently because I've gotten a little, become a little bit more of a head case about like hitting particular times instead of letting my body come to the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, and that's maybe a reaction of coaching myself is I want to like push myself to a certain new like level of running mm-hmm. when that doesn't actually really work. Um, but <clears throat> I pretty much know like, okay, I should feel, you know, relatively good in the beginning. And I had some workouts from a few months ago that I was just like dead from the first repeat when you're trying to do six of them, like, (laughs) not practical. So, yeah. So let's, we'll go back, but since you brought it up, um, talk to us and tell us how is that going, coaching yourself? And and are you truly coaching yourself or is it more like you're asking as you mentioned earlier, asking for advice from a collection of people and putting together a plan for yourself. Yeah. So, I I mean, I've written all the training for like maybe nine months now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wrote a lot of it, like when Brad Hudson was coaching me, I would write the training and then every so often we would sit down and just go over it and be like, Hey, what are we going to tweak? What are we going to add? And then Brad in the fall was like, helping me a little bit where you know one day I wanted to do I think it was 2k repeats and he was like I think you should do a mile so it's not like a big change mm-hmm. but um I haven't really talked to Brad about I haven't talked to really anybody about training recently because nothing no one's able to talk to each other other than on the phone and it's hard to go through like I did this two days ago and in five days I want to do this you know like kind of have to see it um so I haven't I've just been doing most of it myself but I'm also letting myself kind of do a little bit more of like what do I feel like doing it's getting warm here in Texas it's going to be 100 this week or in the next couple of days yeah so um you can't really do like the extended like tempos that I've done in the past but I'm also not in a marathon block but I I, I like coaching myself um I don't know if I will benefit as much as like the people that I coach will benefit because I'm kind of a guinea pig on myself. Um, 
but I've coached people for years now and I've intermittently coached myself. I mean, I coached myself to fit the New York city marathon with just like calling Brad every once in a while and saying, do you think I should do something a little different? And really the difference is like, Oh, instead of, I, I love um, tempos where you go a little bit faster, a little bit slower. And so it's just well, when you're alone, it's not so boring. And he'll be like, okay, I think you've done enough of like the in and out of paces. You just need to go steady marathon pace. But it, it's not a huge change. But maybe that's the extra percent or two that you get from having a coach. You know? What about with respect to having a coach to sort of hold you back? Do you feel like knowing that you can have a propensity to sometimes get injured? Do you have someone that you trust that to look at your training plans, even though you're coaching yourself, um, whether that's Brad or a PT or whomever to sort of look at what you're doing and take a step back and say, here's what's working and not working to help prevent injury. Yeah. So I honestly actually don't feel like I've gotten myself hurt that much, mm -hmm. but that was the reason why I left Brad was because I felt like I keep, I kept getting hurt, but we weren't changing anything. Got it. And, um, I've kind of taken a more intuitive approach that's like, instead of, and I think Brad would have done this anyway. And Brad in the fall was trying to help me like take a day off more often than I wanted to. So this is not like a, a dig on Brad. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, I think that when I um, give someone else control, I expect them to tell me all those things of like, when to take a day off, when to take it easy. And that's not really fair to them either. Like I still need to communicate. And I think one of the things, maybe it's my own issue is I don't communicate very well when I think someone else has control. And so I don't give them enough information to tell me, yes, you do need a day off. And then when I'm doing it myself, I'm like, I'm pretty tired. Like I did a workout this morning and it went pretty well, but I know my legs hurt from the beginning. Like I know I need a day off. And so I'm just going to take a day off. It's not really on the schedule, but, um, and I would have expected it to be on the schedule if I had a coach. Yeah, that's a great And that's point. not really, I, I think I have like ridiculous expectations. No, that's, that's super. That's a great point. And we just talked to Matt Fitzgerald for our last podcast that just came out and, you know, he went and trained for 13 weeks with Nazalie in Flagstaff and he, we talked to him about, you know, he's a, an experienced coach as, as well. And we asked if he kind of set out his training or if um, Ben Rosario was leading his training. And he said, well, you know, I had to communicate with him to tell him to give him enough input to know what to give me. And that I think is, is really key is that us as, uh, as coaches, we can't coach our runners effectively unless they're telling us and giving us the feedback. And when you coach yourself, you're, you're telling yourself, you don't have to, to make that leap. So that, that makes a lot of sense. What are you doing now that we don't have any races on the calendar and how have you made that pivot? I mean, that's, you went from having a lot of really big races on your calendar and focused training to what are you, how, how are you staying motivated? Yeah. So I am hoping to, do a 5k time trial i'm lucky because i'm quarantined by boyfriend and he's faster than me so he can <laughs> he can pace me around the track so um i think he's going to do that for me in a time trial soon but i actually keep putting it off because i'm like i have so much time i don't think there's going to be a race for a long time especially a major marathon so i was already going to go into a track phase but now i have so much more time that i like 
Um, my workout on Tuesday, I did two, I did four sets of 402 twos. So each set was 800 meters. I'm like, I can't remember the last time I've done two miles of work and been like, okay, I'm good. Like, that's a good workout. It burned, but I've been doing like 10 mile tempos and stuff with the marathon. So it's been a great pivot. Um, one of the things I, I don't think I did that well earlier in my career was kind of maintain the gains I made. So like I, I didn't, I ended up dropping out of the Olympic trials in the marathon in February, but I, I was in really good shape going into it. And I had done some of like the best longer tempos that I've ever done. Um, and so I've kept in some of that or like maybe broken into three by three miles instead of a straight 10 mile tempo just to like maintain that fitness. So I don't have to start over on the marathon once there are marathons on the calendar again, but that's not like the emphasis of what I'm trying to build. I'm trying to build back the speed a bit. So like digging down, um, sharpening, sharpening that short distance, that fast twist muscle fiber, explosive more that short distance stuff that we don't get to work on when we're training for marathons. Yeah. And I love the track and um, I'd love to like, especially do a 10 K. I mean, I, I love the 10 K probably more than the marathon. It's just been a while since I've been back on the track. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping over this like summer, fall to, to really run something fast. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I think really to stay motivated though, I have to put something on the calendar that I'm like definitely going to do this time trial because it kind of keeps getting extended. And every <laughs> week I'm like, well, the 400 was good, but I can probably move a little bit faster. And so like, it doesn't have to be perfect. I don't have to run a 65 second quarter to like be a marathoner. So just, you know, I, I, this is where I think I've gotten obsessed with some of the numbers that I want to, I want to like, make myself faster by believing it than just mm -hmm. letting the times come and be happy with whatever I run. Yeah, that sounds like every runner. We understand. <laughs> As you're on the track, you have to be thinking about it. Would you ever consider um, aiming for the 10K Olympic trials? Yeah, definitely. I would love to. I think that um, I would have tried to go for it if it was happening like right about now. But this whole, you know, year break probably helped me even more because I, I'm realizing that I wasn't really as ready as I thought I was for it. Um, and that was one of my reasons for dropping out of the trials is because this course is so hard and it's like beating ever me up so much that if I don't think I can continue running with them, then dropping out and being more ready for the 10 K trials will be better. But, um, I honestly think that wouldn't have went that well because a marathon is so different than a 10K. Mm -hmm. And the 10Kers in the U.S. are so amazing. It's not, it's going to take a lot to actually make that team. And now you have the time to hone those, those things that you weren't working on as much with um, this uh, yeah. quarantine. Yeah, and time, yeah, I know. It does definitely, like, majority of it sucks but it has given me the time with no races on the calendar to do some things like hill sprints, like 30 or a second or one minute hill sprints that I do think are really advantageous, but I'd never really write in because they, they don't, you don't know what they're doing. You know, like you see, Oh, I ran a 75 second quarter and then I can probably do X like mile time, but with a hill sprint, you don't really know. 
And so definitely helps you, but um, I've, I've started doing stuff like that that I wouldn't have probably spent the time to do before. So going back to the trials, I assume you'd run the course or were somewhat familiar with the course before you started the race. Were you surprised by the difficulty or was it something that wasn't as surprising because you are such a strength runner and obviously thrived at the New York City Marathon where I would imagine the last 10K of the race is not dissimilar to the Atlanta course with the undulating hills. What was your experience? So I would say the Atlanta course is way worse than New York City Marathon course. Um, I did do part of the course like before they changed it a year before the race. So I went to that road to gold race. Um, I was hurt. So I remember being in pain more than I remember the course. But I do remember after like tempoing kind of slash jogging, I didn't even finish the race because I had a stress reaction. Um, uh, but I, um, I just remember being in pain. And then I did do courses like to get ready for the Atlanta course in Texas that I thought were comparable, um, but I should have done a lot, lot more hills. But it wasn't even, it was like this, it was the road almost that beat me up more than, I mean, the hills were awful. I'm sure that's part of it, but it's like the concrete was harder or something. Like I only ran seven miles of that race. I remember a week later, I was like on the phone with my dad saying how sore I was. And he was like, you only ran seven miles. <laughs> like, I know. I don't know how those girls are in 26. Like, it's so impressive. <laughs> it really beat me up. <laughs> so you obviously made the right call. I mean, you have no, I assume you have no regrets about that decision. I definitely have regrets. I should have, I should have just, especially now with like everything being done it wouldn't have mattered how long it took me to recover um and I but you didn't know that, that uh, you didn't have that information there. and you know fairness you were making a decision based on knowledge that you know you thought that you had something that you were going to save your body for so yeah very true um I think part of my problem is like that I I have formulated a little bit of an ego probably where I feel like I should be in this position or I should be good enough to run with the pack and it's preventing me from actually just going out and running and wherever I am is wherever I am. And like when I did get fifth in New York city, I just went out and ran and Oh my God, I'm fifth. But I never counted to even know what place I was in. I didn't really care. And um, I've gotten a little wrapped up in the splits and the times and um, like I'll go to the track and I'll say, oh, I'm going to go do this workout and then I'll do the first part of it and I just don't feel good and I can't hit the splits. I'm like, okay, my legs are tired. I'll come back tomorrow. And I've gotten into this habit where like, if I don't feel good, I just do it tomorrow. But I think that's actually hurting me because I need to just go and do it a little bit slower. And it is what it is. The times don't really matter. Like they don't own you. I'm just trying to be a good runner and the best I can that day. And sometimes running a little bit tired is better than having the perfect workout and then thinking you have to keep getting better and do a better than the perfect workout, right? Like if you ran the splits exactly perfect, you have to be perfect next week and the following week. You seem like you've always mm -hmm. been really um, good at, um, until now maybe it's shifted a little bit, 
prior, you always seem to be someone who's very good at looking at process goals versus outcome goals. Like sometimes we'll have outcomes that aren't what you wanted, but you've said, but I'm a stronger person for it. I'm more, you know, I'm better, like I'm a better runner focusing on the process. So um, is that something you try to do? And is that something you're trying to shift back to is kind of focusing on the process of it and not necessarily the outcomes and the numbers and the stats? Is that something you're trying to shift back towards? Yeah. And just like having fun with it. I think I've put a lot of pressure on myself where it's almost like, um, I never really loved the training for the marathon, but I loved racing the marathon. And then I had a lot of fun. I mean, that's great in the training, but I didn't even finish the marathon this time. And I didn't really, I had so much anxiety about going to the race. And I don't know if that's partly because I'd been injured. I was coaching myself. Like there are some, it was the Olympic trials, my first Olympic trials. Like there are a few things going on there, but um, just like enjoying running. I do this because I love it. And like the like contracts at certain places, keep your contracts, certain ones don't. It was just like, is this fun? Am I making a goal of top whatever place because I think that that is good or because of my contract says? And so it just all got very twisted. Who, okay, so if you're a professional runner and you're going to the biggest stage, the Olympic trials, but then after that race, you don't have a contract anymore, what are you? Who are you? You know, like, obviously still the same person, but it just, it got, uh, it became a lot in my head, I think. I think that's really um, compelling because it's it's so true, especially for someone like you, where running is your career, but it's also your passion. It, it inevitably becomes your identity. So mm-hmm. it's really hard, I would imagine, to run a race and not think of the end result of that race as part of who you are and your accomplishments. But it's not. You are a person first. You're Allie foot first. Enjoy running. You have been fortunate enough to have the talent to make a career out of it, but that doesn't change who you are. And how have you, since the Olympic trials and having all of this downtime, clearly processed a lot of this, but what are you planning to do moving forward so when you are eventually allowed to be on a start line again, and God willing, we all are soon, what do you think you'll be able to take from that and bring it to your next race? Oh, man. Um, I just hope that I get out of, you know, it's, Uh, right after the trials I was like I only ran seven miles of the race so I don't really need to take a bunch of downtime because I do a huge taper going into marathons so I had already cut back my miles for three weeks and then I ran seven miles hard so it was like you know there's my taper and my downtime Mm -hmm. um so I was planning on just continuing to run races and you know maybe not be really ready for them but just go out and get beat or don't get beat, like learn how to hurt again and like not have an ego about it. Um, I did do one race this week after the Olympic trials, Um, but then everything got canceled after that. So that was the original plan. And I assume I'll just um, jump back into that once we can run again uh, or race again. But I think this time I'll be a little bit more prepared because, I've been doing a lot more speed training, so I'm I'm kind of ready for those races a bit more. But I think the biggest thing is just like, yeah, going into races and knowing that I'm going to go have fun of them. And this is, this is the highlight. The race is the highlight. Like it's wonderful. Ever since I moved to Austin, I've had more running friends 
And it's been great to not like listen to podcasts on every single run and books on tape and stuff. Like I, I have people I can talk to and that's amazing. So training's been way more fun, but I want to enjoy the races too. And I want to show everything that I've worked for and, you know, win or lose or tie or whatever PR, no PR, like that should still bring me joy. And if not, then maybe I should rethink if I want to be racing or not, because I do, it shouldn't be a stressful thing. It should be an exciting thing. Do you think that there's a correlation between um, when you're happy and what's going on outside of racing that you're able to relax a little bit more when you are racing? Have you found that? Um, not really, because I feel like right now, I won't say like I'm the happiest I've ever been, mm-hmm. but I'm the most well-rounded. Like I do feel like, I've been with each passing month or so, like putting less of my identity as just a runner and realizing that like I'm coaching people and I'm good at that and I'm helpful and I have a lot of knowledge or um, like just I'm going back to school for nutrition. I I just feel like I'm adding more things. It's not like I'm Allie the runner and I just run. And if I can't run, then I'm nothing because even though that's, I'm not true. That's how I went through part of my life, like thinking. And so, um, yes, I feel like I am happy. Like when, you know, your friends are calling you now, they're like, how are you? And you're like, oh, as happy as you can be. You don't want to be like, I'm great. <laughs> but I'm not sick. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing everything I can do. I mean, the rest of my, I can't put something else on like, what else I would want right now other than what I have, which I feel like has got to be the meaning of happiness. Mm-hmm. Like not, not wanting anything else. Sounds like this break that we've had has been good for you. It was a good kind of chance to step back and reevaluate and get out of your head a little bit and just get back to doing what you enjoy. Yeah. But I feel like I, I was like that before of, um, of feeling like I didn't need anything more. This is why I haven't equated like, being happier was running better. I actually think that when I am upset or like feeling trapped and think that running could be a way out that I've run better because I have a need like running is my escape and I have really nothing to escape right now. Right. Yeah. What about, what about coming back from injuries, the injuries that you've had in the past? What, how did you come back from those? What, what kind of obstacles did you face? Like how, how has that helped you as a runner in you know, figuring out how to, how to come back from, from those injuries? I think a lot of times I've come back faster than I thought I would. It's like you have to take six weeks off because you have a stress fracture and you're like six weeks. Oh my God. Like that's so much time. And it feels like a long time when you can't run. But then when you start running again, you pick it back up really quick. Um, I, yeah, I think that now I just, I know that I can do that. And I think most of us probably can do that after we've trained for a while. Like it's hard to gain fitness. So once you've got the fitness, you can get back there pretty quickly. That's why people take breaks every year, but still get better over a year. Um, So it's, I mean, it's definitely given me confidence to know that I go take a month off and come back, but. uh, You can still be a strong runner when you come back from injury. Yeah, I actually think it's kind of fun to come back from injury because you gain so much fitness every week. You're like running, 
you know, mile repeats 20 seconds faster than two weeks before. <laughs> it's very fun. And um, I remember when I, the last injury I had, I started just running with this group of guys and kind of just like as their run was my workout. And then slowly, like, it wasn't a workout just to run with them anymore. And I would go to the track and do part of their actual workout. You know, and so like you just kind of keep adding on and people I think are always a little bit surprised by like, oh my God, now you're like so much better than you were before. It's very exciting. It's it's you get a lot of like momentum when you do that. Yeah. So what advice would you give to um a runner right now who feels like they'll they'll never get back to where they were? I mean, I literally feel that way when I'm starting every time. Like, I'll never get back there. You know, your your 10K pace that you had before you went becomes like, your feels like your mile pace. But it, you just, just give it time. Just don't rush and try to get back in two weeks. Like, maybe, you know, like, let yourself and your body come back because it 100% will. There's absolutely no reason why you can't get back into shape. It's just allowing your body the time to get there. And I think it's um, when we can run with other people, it's fun just to do part of someone else's workout. Because then there's even no pressure on like, I was running these 200s in X pace, I need to go run that again. It's just, you're just going to go out and run 200 to someone's 800 meter rep. You know, I am a lot of time will have my boyfriend like do he might be doing, he's done like 600s and I've done two uh, or 800s and I go like do two 200s and his 800. You know what I mean? Like you just kind of yeah. do segments um, or 600 and someone's mile. So it, yeah, you just kind of like everything doesn't have to be perfect to end up back. I feel like sometimes we're like, well, we have to do 400s, then 800s, and then 1200s, and then mile repeats, and then I'll be able to do, and just go out and run and have fun, and it will all come back. That's great. Do you now how, so you coach runners as well, correct? Mm -hmm. And how have yeah. you taken your experiences as, as a runner, both, um, you know, your training, your accomplishments, the setbacks you face, how do you, um, how do you feel that that's helped you as a coach? I think that, that it makes me a little bit more understanding where um, I feel like I've been in a situation that most other people have been in because I've taken months off. I've taken years off. I, uh, before in New York, I'm getting fifth place the year before I took six months off. So it's, um, yeah, I get, I've been hurt. I've, been not hurt and not then like kind of plateauing. I've, I feel like I've been in every situation that you could be in as a runner. It helps you really relate to, to, to everything your runners are, are going through. Yeah. And I, I also just feel like I can empathize. Like, and you don't always have to be, have had that experience to be able to empathize, but, um, and sometimes people are just tired. Like if I have an athlete say that they're, tired because one thing I will do is I'll I'll try to start I'll try to help someone do the most the most amount of workouts they can do and they'll be like you know Allie I'm too tired to do two workouts in a long run okay so we'll do one workout in a long run or we'll do two workouts one week the next week out the next week we'll do one workout one long run like what do you are you training for a marathon do you need a long run every week I mean so yeah just kind of um 
I'll do whatever someone, I'll, I'll tweak whatever I can based on the information someone gives me. And that goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of that, yeah, that feedback from the runner and us knowing our bodies as well as, as anybody and, and communicating that with a coach, whether that's yourself that's coaching yourself or, or you're, you know, somebody else who's coaching you, how important that is to yeah. know our bodies. Yeah. Yes. I will say that I am the, the, a better coach for the person that gives me the most amount of information without it being like what they ate for every meal of the day. Like you don't need to know that much, but, right. um, you know, if you put a little note in your training it, every day if, or every other day, it kind of, it helps me a lot more than someone who just tells me the paces of their workout. Okay. And what are you doing with your runners now in terms of, are you just keeping them kind of in maintenance or are you having them also focus on some things that they don't normally do when they're training for their, whatever their race? What do you, what do you, is it individual? What are you doing with your runners? How are you keeping them motivated? So, I mean, unfortunately, I think a lot of people were getting ready for spring marathons. And for someone like that, I've definitely switched gears because you cannot marathon train until the next marathon. It's like, even if it happened in September, which I doubt would happen, like a Boston marathon, um, it's just too long to marathon train. And so uh, the same thing for me of like trying to maintain some of that fitness I've gained, but adding in like the speed, because if you get faster, in a four mile or five mile tempo, you'll get faster in a 10 mile tempo as well. So it's just making those paces a little bit more, a little bit easier. So just going back to speed work. Yeah. Same thing as me, like working on things that we may not have put in the schedule, but, or like some people were going to do a spring marathon and then go into a speed phase. So we just did the speed phase earlier. Um, it depends how long this drags on of like what we would continue doing because also, how long can you work on speed at some point? You don't need that anymore either. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. Giving we're hoping people, for like, Boston. We're hoping for Boston in September, but we're also not very, uh, not very hopeful, but not, yeah. not getting hung up on it too much because it is very, um, nobody knows right now, which is, it's hard, I think, for us as runners and for our runners that we coach, it's, I think, really hard to not know when, are we going to shift the training? Are we going to shift the training back to marathon training in June? Or are we not going to shift it back in June? Are we going to, I think that's really hard for all of us, but it sounds like you're doing a, a great job right now of doing some stuff that's fun and, you know, enjoying yourself. And even though it's a hundred degrees there, which is crazy, yeah. but, um, it sounds like the, you know, it's giving you a good opportunity to, to try out some different things and have some fun. Well, you know, I've always wanted to do like the Michigan or the Oregon. You know, there's like big workouts that um, they've never been on my schedule. I didn't go to Oregon or Michigan, so I'm <laughs> been super excited to like test myself against what I've read on Let's Run. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we'll see. Um, and I like just like changing up the workout. So mm -hmm. I guess working on different things allows me to put a little more spice in people's training too, which I think is fun for everyone. I don't particularly like running the same workout, even every cycle, like some of those basic ones you kind of have to do, but there's a lot of comparison. So breaking it up a bit, I think will be nice for everybody. Absolutely. And I think um, to your point, it's also important to recognize that because we don't have dates right now, there's only so long that we can do speed training or mid distance training. So we kind of have to, 
watch how long that goes to prevent injury in our runners and ourselves as well. So not only schedules to for them to tell us when they're too tired, but also for runners to tell us when they're not feeling so great. Yeah, because I my knees been hurting, and I'm like, is it from the hills or the sprints? Like I've been moving pretty quick, so like, what is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't really think it's from going too fast. But um, it's just different, right? And you work with different muscles and your form changes. And I shuffle around. So I think the hill training and speed training and, like, remembering to lift my knees, I especially feel more efficient after I do a hill workout. It's because I think in the hills you have to lift your knees. And so then I'm, like, lifting them on the track. Um, But, yeah, I'm putting definitely pressure on places that I am not used to it. And I feel it in my own body. Oh, yeah. We also wanted to ask you quickly, just your transparency is very refreshing. Um, is it hard for you? Is that something that came natural to you when you decided to share your voice, particularly about body image? So I find it really easy. Like, it's the most natural way for me to be is just to, like, say exactly how I'm feeling. Or um, I think, you know, holding back a little bit feels uncomfortable and it feels like I'm lying. But I have definitely pulled away from social media recently and it's because I feel like sometimes I'm attacked on there. And I think anyone who writes a lot or writes really honestly or writes something that could be contradicting or like people contradict, like have different feelings about, right. Um, We'll just voice their opinion. And sometimes that comes off in a really nice way. And sometimes it doesn't. Oh yeah. And, um, and I, just like don't really want to fight on social media like that's not why i am putting out what i'm putting out Mm -mm. and so um so yeah i i don't i like it actually like connecting and i think that makes me uh it's kind of like i think i was using my instagram as like my own journal which i feel like probably was helpful for other people because sometimes when we're going through something or even not even like i'm a bad thing but just we all go through things during the day or the weeks or uh, overcome something or have a stress and and I would just share it and uh, I thought that was really like beneficial to me and helpful and hopefully helpful to other people because sometimes you just feel alone in whatever we're going through and then you you know you read someone's Instagram and it's not just like oh I look beautiful but like oh I was dealing with this you know um makes you feel like oh my god this person is going through what I'm going through and maybe we can help each other and 99% of people that write in my like write me a comment you write something really nice in response or they share what they're dealing with and it just seems like it's a community where we could help each other and that also makes me feel even better right so the whole thing was great um except for when I get like attacked or saying how I feel or I think the strong not skinny hashtag became that you know like it's just a way for me to as a hashtag which is like a minimal character kind of way to spread a message of feed yourself you know eat be happy self-love and I think sometimes people expect me to be perfect because I write that you should love yourself. We all like, there are times when I'm not as confident because I think I 
you know, don't look like a runner too. Or I've said that before I posted a picture of me in the scale and I just feel like sometimes I don't like what the scale says, but I don't think we should be emotional about any number on a scale. Like that's not our self worth. That is nothing but just a numerical. It's just a number. It doesn't mean anything. And that's exactly, that's how I feel about it. But when I posted a picture of it once, People were like, oh, you're the body image person. Why are you posting a picture of you in a scale? Oh, I can see your weight. So like, there, and I don't think people necessarily mean anything negative about it, but you say I'm transparent. And then I also have gotten that, well, I'm not transparent because I lie because I wouldn't post a picture of me in a scale if I was a body image person. So it's just like, it becomes a lot that um, I would love to keep spreading a good message but I don't want to be attacked for it. And I probably need to grow through some thicker skin and just keep posting what I want to post. Um, but for the moment, I've just like taken a, a back seat, kind of. What I tell my kids is when people say something negative to you, it's something they feel bad inside themselves. So it's not, you know, usually a reflection on you. It's some, something they have going on. So I would say that to you as somebody, both Julie and I love what you post and, we find a lot of inspiration and we know our runners we coach really admire you. So I, I personally think that the good that you put out there and being open and communicating and sharing, making those connections may be worth the, you know, the 1% of people who have something going on with themselves that are feeling bad about themselves yeah. and they take it out on you. So I would just say that, that that's how I would look at it and um, keep doing what you're doing because you have a great message and you have inspired a ton, many, many, many more people than you've, than you've annoyed. So. Thank you. And I, I agree with you. Like when someone says something, it's their own insecurity. Um, but I remember one of my first moved to Austin, one of my friends was like, but you're more than the body image girl. And I was like, I'm not only the body image girl. <laughs> but, you know, um, maybe I need to speak out on other things and I feel passionate about as well because I also don't want to just people to think that I'm only the body image girl or like I think of myself as a big runner. Cause I, I don't, I don't think I'm a big person. It just, it maybe it got confusing the way that I was putting it out and it um, wasn't coming across the way I wanted it to, which is why this kind of took a backseat and I'd love to continue the message of body positivity, but maybe I need to find a different way to do that. When, yeah, when I read your, your message as a mom also and, and raise, and we both have daughters. So when we look at your strong, but skinny hashtag, it's, it's not just about us. It's about the messages that we're communicating to the people we're raising. And when I look at your message, strong, but skinny, I mean, knowing your story and the things that you've had to overcome, I look at strength that you're putting out there, not just about your body, but it's about you as a person. For what it's worth, um, I personally have always perceived your strong, but skinny message as much more than body image. It's about overall strength. It's a great message, and you've inspired a lot of people, including um, an athlete that we admire, who we've also had on our podcast, Beatty Deutsch. And I know that she's um, mentioned you on our podcast before as someone we very much admire. She's um, the top runner in Israel. And oh, really oh. You. So that's keep great. Doing I'll it. have to check out that podcast. Yeah, she's she's wonderful, and. Um, 
we appreciate the cost that you've had to endure at times to put that message out there because it's created a lot of benefits a lot of chatter and if I personally had a dollar for the number of people over the years who have said to me you don't look like a runner I'd be pretty wealthy so thank, oh, thank you. you you guys have motivated me I'll have to keep doing it awesome so thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today it was such a treat and um, for opening yourself up and allowing us to ask you all these questions you've just been terrific so thank you uh, thank you guys it was fun Good luck with everything, and hopefully one day we'll get to see you in a race somewhere. Um, but for now, I know, I know, we're <laughs> counting down the days. But for now, enjoy and enjoy the nice, warm Austin weather. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Have fun with yeah. it, and and we will see you around. Thanks, Allie. Okay.